Howdy, I'm Kate Kavanaugh, and you're listening to the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast, where we're laying the groundwork for our land, ourselves, and for generations to come by looking at the way every thread of life is connected to one another. Communities above ground mirror the communities below the soil, which mirror the vast community of the cosmos. As the saying goes, as above, so below. Join me as we take a curious journey into agriculture, biology, history, spirituality, health, and so much more. I can't wait to unearth all of these incredible topics alongside you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast. I am your host, Kate Cavanaugh, and it is such a pleasure to be here with you. I feel in some ways that I need a reintroduction for myself after all of this time away, but the truth is that I'm not really ready to give that sort of reintroduction. And so instead, I am offering a very vulnerable account of where I've been, what I've been going through, and how I've been putting one foot in front of the other, quite literally, through my daily walks through it. So I am the guest today, and... I recorded this episode earnestly, and I just wanted to see what would happen, and it surprised me what came out. I am by nature a verbal processor, and so I think it was really good to process it, but I do get kind of emotional throughout the episode, and there is a little bit of sniveling that isn't very cute with a high-definition mic, so just a little bit fair warning about that. I actually want to come back to something that I talk a little bit about in the episode, where I had mentioned to a friend around what's going on and she and I told her that I was failing to thrive, right? My husband is out of town for a while and I'm holding down the fort by myself and I'm in this very rural and isolated place and I've just kind of lost my joie de vivre. I've lost uh, my creative force. I've lost a lot of anchors. I said, I'm, I'm failing to thrive. And she told me that it is healthy to not adapt to unhealthy circumstances. I'll tell you, like I told her, I've been turning this over like a river stone in my pocket. And I can't stop coming back to this idea that it is healthy to not be able to adapt to unhealthy circumstances, environments, uh, life shifts. Um, And in this, she was saying that I'm not adapting well to being alone. Um, And why should I? And we are are people who require sociality for our being, for the very regulation of our nervous systems. And... Here I am without that, but I couldn't stop thinking about how much this applies to so much of our modern life. Like there's so many unhealthy circumstances that we have been pushed into and our inability to adapt to them isn't a failure to thrive. It is a healthy response to environments that aren't suited to our well-being. And when I'm thinking about this, like... I I think it applies to so much. I think it applies to a constant news cycle. I think it applies to the way that our social groups and uh, how isolated we are in general. 
I think it applies to just a myriad of things. And so love for you to consider this for yourself and sort of just give you that river stone to turn over because I found that it was really, it really provided me with a balm for my soul, a balm I really needed. And so friend, if you're listening, thank you so much for that balm. This was a vulnerable episode. It It is raw. It is very unpolished. And I waffled a lot about whether or not I should keep it that way and decided that I am currently rather raw and unpolished. And so it is an honest take. For those of you that are here because you are ready for the podcast to come back, oh, you and me both. This is one of my biggest anchors, one of my biggest tethers here on this earth. And I have episodes recorded. I have episodes scheduled and slated. I have a monster reading list and I just need to get back into it. And as I've repeated to a lot of people lately, for me, when we talk about falling off the horse, falling off the wagon, and I'm talking about podcasting and just sort of creative work in general that I've fallen off of right now, the hardest part is getting back on. It's not it's not riding the horse once you're up there. It's, it's the actual act of getting on. And so this is me trying to get back on that horse. And um, you know what? I'd take any encouragement you've got. And I said this at the at the end of this episode, but you know, if this podcast has made an impact on you, reach out to me, leave a review. If you want to leave a one-time tip, great. If you don't, also great. But I could use I could use a little bit of encouragement if I'm being honest, and I feel so funny saying that, but yeah. We have some fun episodes coming up. We're going to do some deep dives. We're going to be reading a lot of books. We're going to be exploring a lot of ecological and evolutionary and cultural pressures. And I am looking forward to it. I think this episode comes at a time when a lot of us are struggling and the world is struggling. And this isn't a place where I want to unpack any of that but I hope that it offers one practice of many that you could embark on that are helpful for finding a space of balance in the imbalance, of of stability in the instability, of putting one foot in front of the other and living in a present moment when it's really easy to slip forward into future tripping or backwards into ruminating on the past and to help yourself through whatever season you're in. And that is what walking has really been for me at multiple really crucial points throughout my life. So I don't think this is the end of talking about walking. And if you know me, you know that it's not. I want to thank you again for being here, especially for sticking around and for believing in me and for waiting for the show to come back, which it is. It's coming back full force. And I am so excited to have you here with me for it. Thank you for everything. And without further ado, here is today's episode. Hi. 
I feel rusty. I feel like I don't even know how to use my voice. And in some ways, that's what I'm here to talk about. I think in many ways, I am here to go through the act of processing something out loud. I know for a fact that I am a very verbal processor and I haven't had as much opportunity to process what's going on in my life and in my head verbally. Um, And there are a lot of confounding factors right now for me. I haven't been very forthcoming about this, though I detailed some of the business problems that we were having in the old salt episode. But for the last two months, my husband has been in Denver trying to save our business. And I have found myself for much of this last year and then for the last two months alone. And to be honest, this is the first time I've really been alone in my life. And I was having an interesting conversation this morning because I'm here and I'm running the farm and I'm attempting to keep the podcast going and have a lot of interviews slated, but have just been having troubles. I've been having troubles getting those interviews onto the podcast And I was having a conversation with a friend and I was talking about how I was failing to thrive. And she reminded me, she reminded me that it is healthy to not adapt to an unhealthy situation. And I find myself in this place where I am wildly isolated in a rural space, caring for a farm by myself, without much in the way of community and it's hard and in it I have frozen and I know that I've talked a lot on this podcast about my predilection towards going into a freeze response and and this is an old pattern for me this 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 space where I freeze and I feel paralyzed and I'm here and I'm here with the most important part of my life outside of my loved ones, which is this podcast. This podcast has given me more hope, more groundedness, more drive, more mission than I have ever had. And I'm stuck. And I'm so frustrated about that. I was talking with with another friend and we were talking about how more often than not we see people on the other side of struggle. And so many of the podcasts even that I've done here have been about people struggling and reflecting and looking back on it when they're at a place where they are no longer struggling in the same way. It isn't to say that we aren't always struggling with something, that we aren't always trying to get over some hurdles. We rarely see people in struggle. And I think that it is natural as someone who is struggling that you want to hide your vulnerability, right? You you want to hide your soft belly away from a world that 
that feels cruel and unpredictable. And I think I've done just that. And, you know, over the last, really the last five months, I've just kind of reassessed a lot of things about the direction of this podcast. And I think a big part of me feels afraid to shift, to change, to show that sense of change. Um, and to show how I've changed. And this podcast changed me. And I really started with this clear idea of how I wanted to explore agriculture. But the deeper I went into things, the more I found that agriculture was tied to so many other threads of our world that are fraying, that are broken, that are exerting too much force on everything else and causing the fabric to bunch. And I couldn't stop looking at some of these threads. And I needed space to just kind of explore them. And now I want to explore them out loud on the podcast. And to be honest, I'm not sure what I think anymore about much of anything. And so there has been in this act of research, I think an unmooring and a feeling and a sense that I'm just not quite sure where I'm going and I'm not quite sure where all of us are going. And at that same time, there has been this really unmooring force in my life, which is being alone here and managing the farm by myself. And the instability of a business that has, has been my work for the last decade, Western Daughters turns 10 this year. And so I'm going to get back to the podcast, but I think I also want to share openly where I am, especially because, you know, in that conversation that I had with that friend of mine was really this idea that we always see people when they're on the other side. And so I'm coming at you in it. And I'm sure you can hear that. That this space has been really hard, but I need, I need this podcast, you guys. I know that sounds really dramatic, but I need, I need its grounding influence in my life. And I, I hope that you're able to kind of go on some explorations with me of topics that we haven't ever explored before that can be a little bit more polarizing than things we've explored and exploring the and, um, you know, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is I was having a conversation with somebody about, well, how can I put this? I've noticed lately that a lot of the time people will select a piece of media and throw it out because it has some views they disagree with. This could be a documentary film. This could be a book. This could even just be a fictionalized TV show. And I will hear my friends talk about it and say, oh, I can't. I, 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 I didn't like X because it talked about X topic that I don't agree with. And I recently read a book that I think was the most interesting read in some ways that I've had of 2023. 
And there were some things in there I didn't necessarily agree with. And there are some things in there that I found wildly fascinating and a lot of resonance with. And I want to explore some of these things, some of these topics, some of these bits of media that aren't black or white and that exist on a, we're going to flip-flop all around, you know, sort of the ideological spectrum. Um, And I feel scared. I feel very scared to do this, but I feel very scared also of what happens to me if I don't have this podcast. And so I'm just going to follow some strange truths down some strange rabbit holes and hope that y'all want to come with me. And in that I'm putting one step, one foot in front of the other. Wow. You love these, um, these like, uh, you know, I've got snot in my nose cause I'm almost crying and I'm sniffing into the microphone. Probably shouldn't do that. We're just being real honest here today. Shoot. I didn't expect this to come out. I was just kind of sat down to record and see what would come out and if it was viable. Um, So I want to talk about putting one foot in front of the other because the one thing that has really been my anchor this year has been walking. And if you follow me on social media, you know that the only thing that I seem to be able to talk about right now is walking. And I have been walking between 35 and 50 plus miles every week for since I think last March. And it has radically changed my life, changed my body. I would love to say it's changed my mental health. I think it has kept my mental health afloat during an incredibly difficult time. And that is certainly saying something about what it has done for my mental health. But it's hard to know where I would be without it because I am rather religious in my devotion to my daily walk. And... When I was thinking about how to record a podcast about walking, I was thinking about the myriad of benefits that come with walking. You know, it's been shown to be excellent for cardiovascular health, for reducing stroke, for reducing diabetes, for increasing longevity, for being a boy for mental health, uh, steady state cardio, what is considered low intensity steady state cardio or LIS kind of the opposite of high-intensity interval training, is considered to be great for burning fat and for at least maintaining muscle and for all of these different things. And we could sit here and we could talk about statistics on walking and we could talk about studies on walking. I have been reading books about walking, whether that's Rebecca Solnit's Wanderlust or Robert McFarlane's series where he, he, he walks sort of through the mountains and down into the valley throughout three books. There are all kinds of things about walking. And instead of just devoting all this time to research, I just want to talk about my practice and how it's changed me and how I am beginning to think about this because it has really become something where I put one foot in front of the other. And in fact, I didn't even take stock of how many miles that I was walking in a day or a week until I wear an aura ring, which is a type of of tracker, um, did a quarterly report that 
equated my steps to how many marathons I I would have run in a in a three month period. And I was really struck by it. And when I went back, I was like, oh, I'm I'm walking a considerable amount each week. And I think just because I was so devoted to just putting one step foot in front of the other and just taking it one walk at a time, that really allowed me to have this acute attention to the present moment. And that's the gift when we're in it, right? I think of you as you've just heard over the course of the beginning of this podcast, like I've really been in the thick of it. Um, you know, and I can say it out loud, right? I've been depressed. I've been down. I've been anxious again. Just really having a tough time. And what this allows me to do is to not consider past, to not consider future, but to just be with one step at a time in this wild imbalance that happens each time we pick up our feet to take a step as bipedal humans. And ever since we sort of came down from the trees in our human evolution and became fully upright, there is this sense of you are balancing in those moments where you are just on one foot and then catching yourself as you quite literally fall forward when you take steps. What an incredible practice when you feel out of sorts, unmoored, off balance, to continually practice catching yourself as you fall forward one step at a time. And I think that this is really true for life, that sometimes we are just falling forward. It is not very well planned. It is not always very well executed. Sometimes it is just a tumble into the future of our lives, into the next step. And I have deeply appreciated that aspect of the practice and that I get to observe because I largely walk the same path each and every day, the same four mile loop. Sometimes it's a seven mile lollipop um, and I walk it every single day and I see these minute changes, but I also see them add up. And I think especially when we're in the fall season, this is something that you get to observe really up close is that these changes happen quickly, but they also happen incrementally. And this is so true for us. And when you get to observe an ecosystem and find a true sense of intimacy with an ecosystem where you are watching these minute differences in the color of the leaves or the different plants that are in the understory, or the amount of fallen leaves in the duff layer of the forest, and the animals that are present there each and every day, you develop this real bond and this real attunement to being able to see these incredibly subtle shifts over time, but to also see how quickly those subtle shifts can add up. And I think that... Anytime we're in a sticky place personally, change is slow and very incremental. And these little changes add up very quickly.
And so that has also brought me a great sense of peace and hope in this time as I've walked. And so now that you have a little bit of that sort of philosophical approach, I want to talk about just the actual practice of walking and how I'm doing this. What I'm doing, what I'm enjoying about it, all of the above. One of the things I want to say at the outset of this, and I did just pause it to blow my nose so I'll stop sniffing into the microphone, is (laughs) that I do my best to find a really good balance between listening to my body and challenging my body. And I want to talk about both of those things because sometimes they are in conflict and it's important that we know when to push and when to pull back. And also when we've, when we've done one or the other and, and needed the opposite action. Walking for me and I haven't talked much about this, but I have, I have an autoimmune disorder. I have two autoimmune disorders. Uh, the primary of which is autoimmune atrophic gastritis. And so that's a destruction of the parietal cells of the stomach that are responsible for making both the hydrogen that goes into hydrochloric acid. And so reducing the amount of stomach acid that I have an intrinsic factor, which is a protein that ushers B12 into cells. And so I have to do intramuscular B12 injections because I can't absorb it through dietary sources. And one of the biggest issues that I actually have with autoimmune atrophic gastritis is nondescript, pervasive, constant stomach pain um, that generally I, I can sometimes manage with the amount of supplemental hydrochloric acid I take, but sometimes is just painful. And when this flares up, it really flares up and it can kind of come with some fatigue. I have psoriatic arthritis, so joint pain is an issue. And one of the things that I've lost the ability to do is high intensity cardio. And one of the things I really love about high intensity cardio is the endorphin rush that I get from challenging my body. And so when I am walking, I am still pushing my body because I want to reap the benefits of some of those endorphins that you get when you are pushing your physical form to new heights. And so I am walking for pleasure, but I am also walking for exercise. And I want to make that clear at the outset. I think walking of all types is fantastic. If you want to walk for pleasure, if you want to walk for exercise, wherever you're coming from, I think meet yourself where you are at. I'm just letting you know where I am coming from on this. And Melissa Urban actually had a a great blog post a little bit ago exploring running really slowly. And I thought it was so fantastic to talk about running a 16 minute mile. And so there's nothing wrong with walking at whatever pace you want to walk at. But for me, this walking has really been about building strength and challenging myself mentally and physically in a challenging time because I find physical exercise to be a big boon for my mental health and a place for me to anchor and challenge myself in a container that feels very safe to me. And so where maybe this podcast arguably hasn't felt like a safe container for challenge during this really hard time, 
exercise has sort of given that to me. And I'm looking to try to come back to both of these things, right? But for me, I'm I'm pushing my body. And so I'm pushing both speed and sometimes weight. And so I walk usually between four and seven miles a day. That's between can be anywhere between 15 and 25,000 steps that I take in a day, including working on the farm and things that aren't dedicated walking time. But generally, I walk really between four and nine miles a day um, and averaging somewhere around 18,000 steps most months. And this is a decent amount of walking. This is around, if I'm going seven miles, it's around two hours of walking. I tend to walk, you know, and it varies a a 16 to 18 minute mile. I love to see how close I can push to a 15 minute mile and how long I can sustain that when I'm really feeling my best, which gets me back to like, This is something that is cyclical and that I am paying attention to when to push and when to rest. And I find that this changes with my menstrual cycle a little bit. It changes with how much I've walked on any given week. It changes with my stress load. And for the most part, I like to push speed and then occasionally I'll also push weight throughout the week. So carrying a weighted pack in a ruck style walk, um, which I don't really do more than three times a week. I find that that's sort of my threshold for where I will hit burnout. Um, But I really enjoy this push. However, because I walk so much, Sometimes my body does tap out for various reasons and I do like to back off and usually I'll back off on pace the most um, and I won't carry a weighted pack when my body feels overwhelmed. But it's kind of the gist of it is that walking between four and nine miles a day, most days being somewhere around seven And that takes me about two hours to complete, which I don't think of as being a massive time investment. It is definitely a time investment. Please do not get me wrong. This is a time investment. But it basically means that I just don't, I don't watch TV in the evenings and I devote that time to walking instead. And I work around walking which I typically do early in the mornings, but I sometimes do in the afternoons. And then I always go for a short walk after dinner just to help my body kind of digest, help even out my blood sugar before I go into a night of sleeping, something I'm going to be exploring a little bit more in conjunction with a levels continuous glucose monitor, just because so much of this is about me really getting into the best shape of my life before I turn 35. And This is what has really surprised me about walking over the last six months is just how much it's changed the shape that I'm in. This has changed my cardiovascular health in terms of shape. It has dropped my heart rate significantly. It has improved my heart rate variability as per my aura ring. But I am so surprised at how well-muscled my body has become and how much stronger I have become in in addition to doing some light strength training uh, with walking. 
and how I'm really in the best shape of my life in terms of my stamina and my drive, but also just aesthetically. And I know that it's not in vogue to talk about sort of body composition goals, but I've been really surprised at just how much my body has responded to walking and feeling like not only do I feel better than I've ever felt from a physical wellness standpoint, but I look better than I feel like I've ever looked. And that's not the point, but I think sometimes we think that something needs to be hard for it to actually work. And I think that this is something that we're culturally entrained to consider that it is by overcoming difficulty that we reach a state of reward. And so I think we oftentimes dismiss in the realms of exercise things like walking because it's not difficult enough. And here's something that is immediately accessible to so many people. It is free. It only costs you the time it takes you to do it. Uh, it requires little to no investment. You need a decent pair of walking shoes and you can do it virtually anytime. So it's not hard in a lot of ways and it's just putting one foot in front of the other. And again, I think this is part of that mental training ground where maybe we're reconditioning our bodies to allow for a path of ease at times. And I have found that that walking is, it's easy to keep going. It's not always easy to get started. And I think this is true of all things. And I think one of the beautiful things that I find is that often when I'm two miles in, I just have to finish those other two miles if I'm on a four mile loop. I don't really have another choice. And I think that there's actually something delicious in that place when walking doesn't feel easy is that there's a built-in reason to just keep going. And so much of this really echoes back to what I was talking about in the beginning of the episode, that when we're putting one front foot in front of the other and living in the present moment, this is about, at times, when life is really challenging, about just keeping going. And I found that in, in walking. Along with, along with an ability to get a lot stronger. Uh, since I mentioned gear, let's talk a little bit about gear. Um, I have experimented with quite a bit of things uh, through walking, and I found that for me, uh, barefoot shoes, zero drop shoes work best. I think that there's some really necessary examination of whether or not zero drop shoes are actually best. And I know that that is kind of the prevailing wisdom in the paleo community. But I think the work of Elena Canner and the Postural Restoration Institute suggests that they are not always the best for all people. And it's important to remember that historically, our feet are built to walk over uneven ground in a barefoot way. And we have all 
of these beautiful muscles in our foot and the ankle joint in order to traverse that uneven ground. And we have taken that and we have made the ground flat. And in so many ways with nature, we have taken what was once a sine wave, what was once, you know, this sort of ebb and flow, whether that's temperature, whether that's the ground that we walk on, whether that's the foods that we eat on a seasonal basis, and turned it into a straight line. And this is the case with walking. And I think that there's a good argument out there through the Postural Restoration Institute that barefoot shoes don't provide you with the feedback that your body needs when you're walking on a manufactured flat surface. Now, whether or not that's the case, I'm not sure. What I know is that when I wear padded shoes that are not zero drop, that are not barefoot shoes, I have troubles with a a hip injury that I have in my sacroiliac joint. And so I have found that for me, at least, zero drop barefoot shoes work best. I wear Vivo barefoots. I had been going through about one pair every four months, and recently I'm trying something with a little bit of a different rubber, and they have thicker lugs on the bottom, so I'm hoping that they don't wear through as quickly because... I wear through shoes really quickly when I'm doing around 50 miles a week in walking. Occasionally, I do carry a weighted pack about three three times a week or so or less, depending on the week and how I'm feeling. This is really tailored to how I'm feeling. I'm actually just using a really old camelback bag that I put some plate weights in, and I never exceed 20% of my body weight. I've been hovering around... 14 to 15% of my body weight for the most part. And I try to keep that really high up on my chest, really towards my center of gravity um, and really tight to my body, which I recommend. If you want to get really fancy with this, there are ruck equipment. Uh, Go Ruck is probably the, the best place to find that. And in terms of clothes right now in this season, for me, it has been all about layers. I am shocked at how little I need when I'm really moving my body and keeping my core warm. I find that for me, the most important part is having my ears covered. They're really sensitive to cold, but I love just wearing a sweatshirt and I have a bit of a down puffy jacket that I usually end up taking off. I know that this will shift and change throughout winter. I am a big fan of natural materials. So I'm a big fan of wool leggings, uh, cashmere tights. I am a big fan of wool sweaters. I find that nothing keeps me warmer and more ventilated than natural fabrics over these sort of engineered synthetic fabrics that we have today. I, for some reason, just here on the farm, I have found that they do not keep me nearly as warm as the real thing, which I think is pretty interesting. And so that's what I'll say around dress. I usually don't carry a water bottle. I find that I hydrate well throughout the day and that I don't have want or need for one, but I think that all of this is so bio-individual. And one thing I want to stress is that this is about learning the language of your body and what your body needs as it traverses these miles. It's not about any one thing. It's not about what I do. It's about finding your own rhythm, your own pace, your own challenge within these walking spaces. 
One thing I wanted to address a little bit was terrain. So we talked a little bit about the surfaces that I'm walking on are roads. Uh, I walk a little bit on asphalt and mostly on gravel roads, and I walk in the hills. So I live in a little space nestled between the foothills of the Adirondacks in New York and the Green Mountains in Vermont. And my walk actually crosses back and forth between New York and Vermont. And it is hilly. And I love this because this poses such a challenge for me. I really have to push my body on the hills. And I also find that, especially with weighted walks and when I'm on hills, I actually have more feedback for my muscles to experience trying to hone in on form. And so I'm not constantly thinking about form while I'm walking, but it is important to me because if I'm spending two plus hours walking a day, it's important to me that I try to make sure that my form is good and that I'm not developing bad habits, bad posture over time. And the weight gives me a little bit of feedback and the difficulty of hills gives me a little bit of feedback. And when I talk about feedback, what I'm really talking about is actually feeling into the muscle groups and being able to hold in certain places. So to hold in my core without clenching, to be able to move my pelvic diaphragm up and down with my breath and to be able to put a lot more motion in the wrapping of my glute around my thigh and and sort of in towards I guess my butt crack for lack of a better word but really actually kind of putting that wrapping motion um, around my legs so that I'm activating my glutes while keeping my core tight during my walk and then extending my stride where I'm spending more time on the ball of the back foot where I can feel the stretch in the front of my hip. And so this is really important for a couple of different things. I notice a lot of times both in myself and when I'm watching the gates of others while they walk that we have a tendency to dump into our calves and to just utilize that instead of building strength inside the glutes and keeping core tight while elongating that front hip, which is also going to be your psoas, which is so much of what we crunch when we're sitting like little croissants, little shrimps while we're looking at our phone and working on our computer. And so this has been a space for me to also feel the connectivity between all the muscles in my body. And I find that when I'm getting that wrapped glute, I can also feel the activation of my core and my obliques and that connection while I'm trying to sort of peel apart my collarbones. And so less about pinching together my shoulder blades in posture than trying to stretch and elongate out my collarbones. And when all of that is really functioning together, I can suddenly feel the gate click that makes us bipedal humans that are not just curled around our technology, which I certainly am for a lot of the day. So uh, this is actually a really important act of balance for me to, to put my posture and my bipedalism back in place. And again, we're getting back to this idea that that our bipedalism is 
actually kind of exceptional. I'm actually going to pull this little quote from Rebecca Solnit's Wanderlust, which is so delicious. She says, Usually the uniqueness of human beings is portrayed as a matter of consciousness. Yet the human body is also unlike anything else on Earth, and in some ways has shaped that consciousness. The animal kingdom has nothing else like this column of flesh and bone always in danger of toppling, this proud, unsteady tower. The few other truly two-legged species, birds, kangaroos, have tails and other features for balance, and most of these bipeds hop rather than walk. The alternating long stride that propels us is unique, perhaps because it is such a precarious arrangement. Four-legged animals are as stable as a table when all four feet are on the ground, but humans are already precariously balanced on two before they begin to move. Even standing still is a feat of balance, as anyone who has watched or been drunk knows. Reading the accounts of human walking, it is easy to begin to think of the fall, she's referring to the the fall in the story of Genesis, in terms of the falls, the innumerable spills, possibly for a suddenly upright creature that must balance all of its shifting weight on a single foot as it moves. John Napier, in an essay on the ancient origins of walking, wrote, Human walking is a unique activity during which the body, step by step, teeters on the edge of catastrophe. Man's bipedal mode of walking seems potentially catastrophic because only the rhythmic forward movement of first one leg and then the other keeps him from falling flat on his face. This is easiest to see in small children for whom the many aspects that will later unite seamlessly into walking are still distinct and awkward. They learn to walk by flirting with falling. They lean forward with their body and then rush to keep their legs under that body. Their plump, bowed legs always seem to be lagging behind or catching up, and they often tumble into frustration before they master the art. Children begin to walk to chase desires no one will fulfill for them. The desire for that which is out of reach, for freedom, for independence from the secure confines of the maternal Eden. And so walking begins as delayed falling, and the fall meets with the capital F, fall. And I love this because it really illuminates just how precarious, which I talked a little bit in the beginning, this act of walking is, but I find that it can also be the medicine that we need in our more sedentary croissant or shrimp-like postures in our modern-day tech-driven world. And I think that there is just this sort of ancient connection. You know, we would have walked a great deal of steps every day. Uh, you know, in terms of our ancient ancestry. And I think that the pace at which we walk is really the pace at which our our brains can keep up. Uh, Rebecca Solnit talks about our thoughts moving at about three and a half miles per hour, which is walking at a at a at a nice pace. And I think that this is very true that when we're on these walks, 
that a lot of our consciousness begins to unfold as we take in the surrounding area. And this has led to no shortage of writing and discoveries and philosophies. You know, you have writers out there that are consummate walkers, be it Stephen King or Rebecca Solnit, for example, or Robert McFarlane and many others. But you also see uh, scientific discoveries really honed in on walking. Um, one of the most interesting, I think, is actually uh, EMDR, which is eye movement, row, row, hang on, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy was originally modeled after the way that our eyes shift back and forth while we're walking to take in that scenery and how it can calm our nervous system and how it can actually begin to rewire our brain. Now, I said I wasn't going to go into specific scientific studies or too much science, but this is something that Andrew Huberman has covered in detail. And I really find that this does decrease anxiety. And for me, living out in the country, which I know isn't accessible to everybody. I also have vistas, which taking in a big vista and activating our panoramic vision. And so this is vision that's looking at a big horizon at the panorama of what is around us, as opposed to foveated vision, which is looking at a more focused screen or reading a book. Panoramic vision actually activates, again, our parasympathetic nervous system and so allows us to have greater relaxation. And I know what I said at the beginning of this, that I've had a big resurgence of my anxiety, something that I thought I had under control, but I think that this has actually helped it not get more out of hand than it already has. And again, I don't really have anything else to compare it to because this is what I am doing right now in my life, but I truly believe that this has been a a boon for keeping my anxiety down in an already high anxiety space, and so I will take whatever I can get in terms of that. And it's also allowed me ample time to think, and oftentimes on my walks, a couple of different things. So I listened to audiobooks while I walk, which wasn't always the case because I had troubles tuning in and staying, staying attent, attentive, staying attentive while listening to audiobooks. And I actually decided at the beginning of this summer that I was going to teach myself how to listen. And it was really similar to meditation. When I noticed that I was wandering away from the audiobook, I would come back. And I just did this over and over again. I worked to find styles of narration that were easier for me to engage with and listen to and listen to samples of audiobooks and have been actively listening to usually a couple of audiobooks per week on my walks, as well as occasionally podcasts. To be honest, I haven't been listening to very many podcasts. I know that's maybe a little bit surprising because I have one, but there you are. Um, and occasionally music and always spending part of my walk just listening to what is happening around me. And I think that all of these are really beautiful opportunities. I have loved getting to read more and getting to take in more knowledge and getting to participate in the oral tradition of storytelling. 
I think it is incredible what some of these narrators do of both fiction and nonfiction to bring these stories to life. And I think that we are species of oral storytelling. And so I think that there's something incredibly special about being able to listen to stories as I'm walking and to let that unfold. I feel the same way about podcasts. I just haven't found anything that's really holding me and I'm in a phase of deep research as opposed to really wanting to listen to that more conversational pace. I do want to speak to silence, though, because I feel like this affords us the opportunity to be even more interwoven with our environment. So when I am walking and I am just able to listen to what is going on around me, it provides me an opportunity to feel a part of something and to feel connected to nature and again to activate some of that parasympathetic nervous system. When we hear birdsong, it indicates to our bodies that there is a lack of predators in the area. Again, activating that parasympathetic rest and digest nervous system. And it's been really special to listen to the way that sounds change throughout the season to hear the calls of different birds. And especially this fall, I've noticed the incredibleness that is the crunchy layer of leaves on the forest floor and how much it betrays all of the animals that live there. And so hearing the scurrying of little chipmunks and mice and squirrels as they go running through the forest and to hear the trilling of the birds and to catch occasionally a deer, a fox, a coyote pup, uh, various feral cats, um, lots of bunny rabbits, grouse, all things that I have seen and gotten to experience on my walks. I want to take a little moment, too, to talk about timing. When we're talking about ways that something as simple as getting outside and walking can change our biology, our circadian biology is one of the first and foremost things that I consider because you're getting a chance to expo- expose your, your eyes and your body and potentially your skin to different times of day, alerting your body to the fact that it is, for example, morning. And when we get outside and we get to see sunrise, it can really set us up for the day, setting our cortisol release, which is a little bit higher in the morning as it comes to wake us up, and even setting our melatonin cycles at night and letting our body know what time of day it is because our bodies are just ancient hardware here in this modern world where we have lighting all the time. Again, another example of turning that sine wave into a flat line. And I walk at different times of day. I often find myself walking at sunrise and getting that early exposure to light that can really set us up. But I will also walk in the afternoon if that better fits my work schedule and frequently find myself walking in the evening around sunset too as a place to wind down and to avoid that sort of postprandial glucose spike following my dinner. But I don't think that this needs to be any part. Again, I think that this is just what works best for you and the timing that works best for you. All of these different things. 
I, I think that probably covers a good deal of my walking. And, you know, as far as this has helped me, it's so hard to say because this is what I've been doing. But I know that this has given me a sort of literal and figurative solid ground and anchor during a time where I felt like the ground was shifting beneath my feet. And it's given me a sense of stability in a time that has felt precariously unstable. And I think that finding physical and mental anchors in times of stress, in times of upheaval, in times of difficulty. And I, you know, in some ways it feels hard to to kind of come out with this podcast and be like, hey, I'm having a hard time when I look around at what is happening throughout the world. But I also think that this is a very human experience to have a hard time on a micro scale just within the microcosm of what's happening in our immediate lives. And I think increasingly to have a difficult time with what is happening at the macro scale uh, with forces that we can't control with a 24-hour news cycle that we've never had access to that our bodies aren't fully wired for. And so finding these practices that allow us to find a space of grounding, a space of catching ourselves as we fall, a space of putting one foot in front of the other day in and day out, that there has never been a more important time. And I think that this practice for me, and it is it is the practice of walking oftentimes. It is not the exercise of walking. It is the it is the practice of walking. It is the practice of catching myself. It is the practice of continued forward motion when I feel so stuck. Uh, has been more important to me than something like meditation where I feel like I can't sit down and calm my monkey mind. This allows me a different act of practice, of devotion, of self-love, of all of these different things that feels more tenable to me. And in many ways, I think that it is our natural state to be walking, to be thinking, to be assimilating things from our lives, things from the world writ large, but also just to be drifting into a state of oneness at times. And when I'm on my walks, there are times when I just become a sort of living metronome of right, left, right, left, right, left, where I just dissipate into the surrounding scenery and am not, again, I am not in the past or in the future. And and this is the issue. I think in many ways for me, depression is about sort of ruminating on the past and anxiety is about tripping through the future. And so finding this metronomic-like quality of walking is about being rooted in the present 
And what a gift to be able to do that, even if it's just for a couple of minutes each walk. And a gift again, if I get to dissolve into story. And I've listened to so many really delicious stories as I've been walking and found storytellers and narrators that really resonated with me, whether it's listening to Stephen King narrate his own on writing, talking about his own practice of walking, or to dive into actually just some of his books in general. I recently loved and hopefully we'll be hearing more from Kat Bohannon, uh, who wrote the book Eve, and her narration is absolutely stellar of her own book, which is something I highly recommend is finding finding books where the authors are the, the actual narrators. Um, and just so much more. Andy Serkis just released, uh, they re-released all the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit with Andy Serkis narrating. And it it is stellar. Like it is just, he is a force of nature to listen to. And there are so many beautiful things out there. And so while I don't have many podcast recommendations right now, I do have just a bunch of audiobook and physical book recommendations, but I'm just really loving the audiobook format and think it's particularly fantastic for dissolving into story if you find that you're not in a space where you can dissolve into the surrounding environment. And it's important to remember too, like, you know, I don't know if you're in a city or if you're in the country, but I think that some walking is something that's feasible anywhere. When I lived in Denver, actually walked and rode my bike a pretty great deal uh, and found the same sense of peace of just getting to know a neighborhood, getting to know a route, getting to know a park and having intimacy with that space, giving you this this sort of other sense of relationship in your life, right? That I have this relationship between just with this sort of four-mile loop and it's constantly shifting scenery. And I think that this naturally lends itself to giving me a relationship with myself and my constantly shifting inner scenery, inner landscape, and the way that it changes throughout time, that there are these tectonic forces that we can't see coming that sort of remap our inner terrain and I think there are times where it can be hard to sort of get to know the the new hillocks and valleys that are inside of us and I think for anybody that's been through that's been through death that's been through loss that's been through chronic illness um, or just the upheavals of modern life deeply understands this, right? And so talk about this all the time with chronic illness that, you know, not being able to get out of bed for a certain amount of years before I discovered my autoimmune atrophic gastritis it vastly changed who I was as a person. And the act of turning on this microphone and having these conversations, and I've said this so many times, it changed me fundamentally. There were tectonic shifts in the moments of conversation and also the moments between conversation on this podcast that really opened up my world and I am aching. Oh, I am aching so deeply to get back to that. 
But I, I do want to acknowledge that this act of walking, that there are a lot of mirrors between what is happening on the outside and the physical, the state of unbalance, of catching yourself as you fall forward, and the internal, the state of feeling unbalanced, the constant state of catching ourselves as we fall in this life and and getting back up of putting one foot in front of the other and we see that mirrored too with the landscape of of getting to track and observe and enjoy these minute changes that throughout time are big changes it is the changing of leaves from green to red and then to barren trees that on a day-to-day basis might feel small but between seasons is a massive shift and we can see that within ourselves as we change throughout seasons of life and those day-to-day changes especially when you're feeling low don't feel like much but they are happening and they are underway as as these things inside of us shift and move because that's part of growth and it doesn't mean it's easy and I do think that this is just the most oh just a really beautiful act of honoring all of that uh, is to is to walk through it and I think that my walks have given me that more than anything else um I think that's all I have to say for now on walking. I think maybe we'll do something that's more scientifically tilted or maybe something that I've spent a little bit more time putting together. But in all honesty, I just kind of wanted to come here and speak from my heart and to let what was here come through and to not hold myself to a level of perfectionism or a level of put togetherness that was actually outside of what I feel right now. I don't feel very perfect. I don't feel very put together. Um, We have some really fun episodes coming up. We have some really informative episodes coming up. We have some kind of heavy episodes coming up. Um, And I'm just diving back in. Uh, I could use your support right now. I am not sure what that means. Um, I could use the support in form of reviews. If you wanted to send me an email and let me know how this podcast has impacted you, that would be amazing to have a little bit of conversation, to have a little bit of feedback. If you feel like providing some financial support, uh, there are a couple of different ways to do that in the show notes. Um, Either subscribe to like a Substack or Patreon, which I haven't been super active on and I'm going to be honest about, or you can send me a one-time tip via PayPal. Um, Great ways to just support the efforts that are unfolding here. Um, and are going to continue to unfold. Um, if you want to hop on to Patreon, I'm going to include some of the reading lists for for upcoming guests if you want to kind of get a head start. Um, and I just really appreciate you still being here and staying with me and growing with me and exploring with me. It is a pleasure and I'm God, I can't tell you how much I miss it and how ready I am to be back. And so it's with that that I'm going to sort of conclude this podcast and we'll get into some interviews in the next week or two. Thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast. If what you found resonated with you, may I ask that you share it with your friends or leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts? This act of reciprocity helps others find mind, body, and soil. If you're looking for more, you can find us at groundworkcollective.com and at Kate underscore Kavanaugh, that's K-A-T-E underscore K-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H on Instagram. I would like to give a very special thank you to China and Seth Kent of the band All Right, All Right for the clips from their beautiful song Over the Edge from their album The Crucible. You can find them at All Right, All Right on Instagram and wherever you listen to music.